You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Howley. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Before we get to the Oilers talk, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day in the best part. Totally free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. We've got a great show for you coming up today, of course. We're going to talk about the offseason because what else do we have to talk about? Later in the show, he will be joined by Jared Brown. He is the head scout for North America for Draft Pro Hockey. Check them out on Twitter at Draft Pro Hockey. You can give Jared a follow as well at Jared Brown 97. And of course, they do absolutely awesome work at Draft Pro Hockey. You can check out their new draft guide. They've also got their 2021 yearbook. And we're going to talk to Jared about the Edmonton Oilers and what they might look to do with the first pick that they have in the 2021 NHL entry draft, as well as the fourth round, the two sixth rounders, and the seventh rounder. We're also going to look back at the past few drafts and get Jared's thoughts on the guys that were selected and how they've panned out, how they're looking, and when we can expect to see them in the Oilers lineup. That coming up later on in the show with Jared Brown. But I want to start off with something we talked about on the Jason Greger show on Thursday. Of course, for those of you who don't know, I do work on the program with Jason Greger and Jason Strudwick. And Greger had a great idea to talk about some potential trade proposals that the Oilers might want to look into this offseason. And we all made our picks, Greger, Strudz, myself, as well as TSN's Ryan Rashog and Tom Gazzola of the pre- and post-game shows on TSN 1260. So I want to run through the trade proposals that we all had and uh, get your thoughts on them. You can reply to me on Twitter, at Connor Halley, or you can go read the article at OilersNation.com. Uh, Jason Greger putting it up there. We'll start off with Jason Strudwick, and he proposed that the Edmonton Oilers acquire Adam Henrique from the Anaheim Ducks for Kyle Turris, with the Ducks retaining 50% of Henrique's salary, saying... Henrique would be a $2.9 million cap for the next three years for the Oilers. Could be a third-line center. He thinks that both players were on waivers last year, so potentially that helps making the trade a little bit more realistic and that Henrique might have been affected by the COVID situation last season. And if you know, you go back and look at what Adam Henrique has done in his NHL career, he had 12 goals last year in 45 games. The years before that, he had 26 goals, 18 goals, 24 goals, 20 goals. So the guy knows how to put the puck in the net, and I like that trade. I like the idea of going out and trading for Adam Henrique, but I just question 
if the Anaheim Ducks would take Kyle Turris and keep salary. I mean, it would create some space for them, and, you know, Kyle Turris probably not on their roster the following season, could just be that one-year deal. That's an interesting one. Tom Gazzola, my good friend, saying that the Oilers should trade Caleb Jones and their 2021 fourth-round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks for Dylan Strome. He says that the fourth-rounder isn't enough of a sweetener. He'd be willing to move a second-rounder in 2022. Edmonton is getting a guy heading into the meat of his career with lots of potential, and rumors suggest the Hawks are looking to make a play for Seth Jones, so adding his brother could help them. That's an interesting one as well. Get Dylan Strome back with Connor McDavid. Who knows what could happen? Ryan Urshaga, TSN, said the Oilers could trade Ethan Bear and a conditional fourth-rounder to Philadelphia for Nolan Patrick. If he plays 65 games, the conditional pick could become a third-rounder. Maybe you throw 15 goals as a marker there. Ryan Rashog saying that Patrick is still young, has tons of upside as a top-six winger or third-line center. Even could be a second-line center if you want to move Leon Drysdale to the wing at times, wins over 50% of his face-offs, and is ripe for a change of scenery slash bounce-back year. For the people who saw him play with the Brandon Wheat Kings, I think that would be a move that a lot of fans would like, moving Ethan Bear. Could potentially do it. We'll have to see, but uh, yeah, if you're bringing back Nolan Patrick, I think you win the trade there. Jason Greger had the Oilers trading Caleb Jones, the rights to Jujar Kara, and a sixth-round pick in 2021 to the Minnesota Wild for defenseman Carter Susi and the rights to Nick Bonino. Another interesting one, the rights to uh, Nick Bonino, veteran guy, playoff performer. As he mentions, his wife's from the Edmonton area, and that just gives you that little bit of time to work on a deal and try to negotiate something. Definitely an interesting move. Now we'll get to mine, where I think the Edmonton Oilers got to go for it. I think they're in win-now mode. They're a buyer, and why wait till the NHL trade deadline to give up a first-round pick to bring somebody in like the Toronto Maple Leafs did last year? If I'm giving up a first-round pick... I want someone who's going to be with my team for the entire year. And that's what I'm doing. I'm sending my first round pick along with Tyler Benson and Kyle Turris to the San Jose Sharks for Tomas Hurdle, a guy who's 27 years old. He's been in the league for a while now. And the last couple of years in San Jose haven't gone too well. They've missed the playoffs. But for Hurdle, he's a proven playoff performer. In 2018-2019, he had 15 points in 19 games. The year before that, he had 9 points in 10 games. And that's the kind of guy you need on this Edmonton Oilers roster. Now, there are some difficulties there. And Thomas Hurdle, he is unrestricted after next season. So you could bring him in, and he could walk. But the reason I don't think that would happen is because he would have to waive a no-movement clause to make a trade happen. So if he's willing to waive that clause to join the Edmonton Oilers, a team that should be in the playoffs for the next 5 to 10 years, why would he not want to re-sign? You're playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. It's going to help your point production. It seems like it might be a good fit. And then for the Edmonton Oilers, you know, you're clearing a little cap space with Kyle Turris. It does suck to lose Benson, but that's the price you pay when you bring in a proven NHL player. The Sharks get another first-round pick and uh, clear up a little cap space because they only have $7 million going into next season. For the Oilers... I know I'm going back and forth here, but when inevitably Carter McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl go to that second line and, you know, you're looking for offense elsewhere, Thomas Hurdle could be that second line center. He's been a top line center with the San Jose Sharks. I think he can drive a second line and, uh, you know, in the face-off circle last year, he was 13th in percentage. So he's a good face-off guy. I think he's somebody that you could look to try to make a splash because I think the Edmonton Oilers have to be aggressive. they got to go out there and try to bring in guys like this and find ways to make it happen. I think San Jose 
Maybe you can make it happen. Let me know, though, on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Check out the article at OilersNation.com. Uh, it was a lot of fun on the show today, a fun conversation. If you want to hear that, check out TSN1260.ca. The audio section has the hour-long podcast. But do that after you finish up this podcast. Listen to this one and uh, then hop over and give that a listen. Today, though, like I said, we are going to talk to Jared Brown, and we'll get to that conversation right now. He's the head scout for Draft Pro Hockey. I had a chance to sit down with him earlier on, and today we'll jump to that conversation right now. We now bring in a Jared Brown. He's the head scout of North America for Draft Pro Hockey. You can give him a follow on Twitter at JaredBrown97, also at Draft Pro Hockey. And I highly recommend you check out their 2021 NHL Draft Guide and Draft Yearbook. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very good, and I, I got to thank you for passing along the uh, the guide in your book. And I'm going to highly recommend that anyone who's listening, you know, obviously this year was a little bit tough. Some leagues playing, some not. If you need to find all you need to find out about, you know, the draft prospects, you guys do a really good job uh, having it all in one file. Uh, if people want to grab it, where is the best place to to check it out? Uh, the, probably the best place is to go to our uh, website at draftprospectshockey.com. Um, you can head over there, and we got two. Uh, we have the draft guide uh, that has pretty much everything you need for the upcoming NHL draft come July, um, and we also have a uh, draft yearbook, which um, for a little bit of extra price. But what you're also going to get with the yearbook is uh, actual scouting reports from our um, our whole scouting t- uh, staff uh, from all the way back from like 2019 from watching the players who are available in this year's draft. Now, Jared, we are going to get into the upcoming draft because I think, you know, obviously people want to kind of find out. In the last decade, Oilers fans have been used to those top five, top ten picks where you do know exactly who you might want to target and who might be available. But they dropped down into the late teens this year, and, and now it's kind of a crapshoot because anything could happen. You know, the the way the scouts and teams might view somebody could be different, and you never know who might slide. So you did a really good job. You sent me a bunch of guys who might be there when the Oilers pick at number 19. But I want to go back to last year and just ask you about a couple guys that the Oilers selected. And I know you came on TSN 1260 immediately after Dylan Holloway was drafted, and our fan base was uh, split to say the least. A lot of people kind of upset with Dylan Holloway, didn't know a whole lot about him. But I want to say you kind of talked them off the ledge. You had positive words about Dylan Holloway this year, of course, playing at the University of Wisconsin. He plays in 23 games. He finishes with 35 points. He also represents Canada at the World Juniors, has a goal and a helper there playing in six games. Uh, how do you think he progressed in his second season as a Badger? I I was actually really surprised with his progression. Um, you know, the point production really jumped off. Um, I think he showed more of a uh, playmaking ability that we saw in his draft year, which I think is going to bode well for him uh, if he's going to play alongside some of the star players that Edmonton have, uh, you know, obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl. But uh, I think one key part was obviously playing with uh, the Hobie Baker winner, uh, Cole Caulfield. And... You know, he he really stood out to me in his ability to just impact the game in a multitude of ways. Um, And I saw that at the World Junior Championship with Team Canada. This was a forward that played left wing, center, right wing, power play, penalty kill. He can play up the lineup, down the lineup, and be just impactful. Uh, He's a very versatile guy, and that that's his key 
you know, assets. And so I, I still, I, you know, at the time, I loved the pick by Edmondson. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who could probably jump into the NHL sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, he may be only one year away. Maybe he gets one more year. I, I don't know if he's going to be heading into the AHL this year, uh, this upcoming year. But if he has one full year seasoning in the AHL, he's going to be coming up and, you know, he'll play middle six minutes, second or third line. And he's going to, like I said, I think he, he really progressed in a way that he can impact the game even more. And he developed more offensive confidence. And I think that's really key for him. Now, the Oilers last year in the draft didn't pick again until the fourth round when they take Carter Savoy, someone who played in the area for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, he obviously went to the University of Denver, 13 goals, 24 games, uh, nothing to be too upset about for the freshman. Obviously, five foot nine, 192 pounds. That might be where the issues could be. Uh, what do you think of Savoy, his first year with Denver? Surprising. Um, I, I had a bit mixed feelings with Savoy, uh, just because uh, I, I had some viewings where he wasn't, uh, he, his compete level wasn't as high as I would have liked it. But then I had some viewings of him in Denver, just watching some uh, games, and he looked like a different player. He looked a little bit more energized. He looked like he was liking uh, the college hockey a little bit more. Uh, he, he's a player who you, you referenced his height at 5'9", but don't be mistaken by the height because he's got a little bit of bite to his game. Uh, he's a little edgy. Kind of think of uh, Kaylor Yamamoto on the Oilers. That's kind of Savoy. He can play with a little bit of edge. He can cross the line a little bit. I've seen it when he was with Sherwood, but uh, I would still say you know it's, it's not it, it's something that he can add to his game. Um, and the, the the offense really stood out to me. Obviously, you know, like you said, very respectable numbers for a freshman. Uh, but this is a guy who his, his strength is his goal scoring and his ultra creative mind. I mean, he he's very good in transition. Uh, he can work on his foot speed, and I think the skating is going to be still an area that needs to improve for the NHL, so he can keep up with the pace a little bit more. But uh, I would say the, the the goal scoring, he can score in tight. He can score from distance, whether it's uh, off of some sweet dangles in tight or uh, a, a quick release from the circles. Uh, you know, he, he's progressed a little bit faster than I expected. Uh, and, you know, I think he's still a guy I would probably give at least three years to give him two more years with uh, with Denver, and then bring him over, and I, but I think you're going to get a, a quality player that should be able to jump the, into the NHL. Absolutely, and I mean that's something I think that the Oilers fan base is is nice to or is okay to hear about, like letting those guys develop at the pace they need to. Especially a fourth rounder, there's no rush for Carter Savoy to make that jump to the pro ranks. Uh, I just want to go back to 2019, and then we'll get into the 2021 draft. Uh, how about Philip Broberg? Uh, what do you think about him? You know, he, he's a very prolific defenseman uh, because he's very aggressive. In the style he plays, he likes to play a little bit of high risk, high reward game. I think what I saw from him at the World Juniors was frankly a little disappointing. I expected him to dominate a little bit more, uh, 
Um, but the one positive I would say that I saw from Probert's game was that he was a little bit more dialed into his defensive responsibilities. I thought he was a little bit more committed. Uh, he, he wasn't maybe taking those pinches or those rushes in unopportune times. Uh, he, he's a guy that I think you, you need to develop his consistency still. Uh, especially on the defensive side of things, offensively. And when it comes to transition, he's got all the makings to be in the NHL right now. But I think for him to play in the NHL, uh, you know, come, let's say, October, he's got to develop more consistency in his own zone. He's got to, you know, just tighten up the gaps when the pressure is down below the circles, down below the goal line. Uh, continue to use that that size he has. I mean, he's six three, two two o five or something like that, I think. And great skater, so he's mobile enough to keep up with uh, faster paced players. He just needs to, you know, be a little bit more committed. Last guy I got to ask about, uh, Raphael Lavoie, obviously selected uh, second round in 2019, spent a lot of time with the Halifax Mooseheads, went over to Sweden and was almost a point of game player and then came back to North America to join up with the Bakersfield Condors and didn't look out of place. Five goals, five assists in 19 games played. Uh, what do you think about Raphael Lavoie when he might be able to make the jump to the NHL? I think, honestly, he is a player that should have won in the first round. Uh, in in 2019, I think the Oilers got a great pick at him when he fell to them uh, 38th overall. The, the biggest with uh, Lavoie is his his shooting ability and his scoring ability. And for Oilers fans, that's something I think they'd probably like to hear uh, because you're going to get a guy who can come up and give you additional goal scoring support. Uh, he's a power play specialist. He's got a great shot from distance, uh, really whips off it. The wrist shot just really whips off his stick. He's got great shooting mechanics. Um, and he's also got uh, edge to him as well. I mean, I don't know if it was playing in Sweden that really uh, gave him an extra edge, but he was he was not afraid to be chippy, not afraid to be physical. Uh, and so... I think when it comes to where he's going to come, I think you give him one more year in the AHL to see how he progresses. If he can get to that point of game, because like you said, he, he looked really comfortable with Bakersfield and he was, he, he looked comfortable, especially shooting. Like he didn't look like he lacked offensive confidence at all, which is a really bright spot for the young man. So if you can give him one more year in Bakersfield, to, to develop even more confidence at the AHL and the pro level, you can maybe give him a shot. You know, two years from now, uh, I would still peg him. Uh, I would say ETA for the NHL. I would say around two years. Now, Jared, we'll jump ahead to the 2021 draft, and uh, it, it's funny, but take people behind the scenes here. I just asked you to give me a few names you like for the Oilers. You know. In the first round, you took it a step further. You gave me options for the first and the sixth round as well. So we'll talk about those as well. I want to go through these names, though, and, and just for the people who might be looking at getting the uh, the draft pro hockey guide, 
it's got it all. You guys have NHL potential. You've got StyleConf. You've got uh, NHL ETA, which I think is awesome. So the first name you gave me is Cole Sillinger uh, out of the USHL. NHL StyleConf, Vincent Trocek, potential, top six scoring center, and ETA two years. That's the last time I'm going to give the comps and everything because I don't want people to, you know, just use this and mooch. You got to go out and get it. But what do you like about Cole yeah. Sillinger and the potential with the Oilers? Uh, your number twenty ranked prospect. The potential you're going to get is kind of like Lavoie, additional goal scoring support up front. Uh, he, he's got another guy who's just got great shooting mechanics, very smooth release. Uh, he's deadly around the crease. His compete level when it's in the offensive zone is, is, is one of the highest in this draft. You know, he wants to score, he wants to set up, and he's not afraid to get flashy, you know, deking around defenders or whatever. He's got really, really good hands. Yeah, they're really slick. I think he's a guy that the Oilers could benefit from uh, in the center position. You know, he can give you maybe second line. He could be a second line center. Obviously, it depends on what the future holds with Nugent Hawkins. But even then, if you develop him in a third-line center, you know, behind and, and just let him develop, the, you know, the two-way game, which is still okay. You know, the two-way game is not bad. It, it can be better. But I think where Cole Sillinger really shines is his offensive uh, competes and his instincts. To, you know, he wants to score. And he's a guy that he'll work his butt off and he'll go through a wall to score. The next name you gave me, Matthew Coronado. He is your 17th-ranked prospect and uh, played with the Chicago Steel. Had 48 goals last year, left wing. And if you talk to Oilers fans, that's kind of their number one need. I Probably not a guy who's going to be ready immediately. But that top-line winger that could potentially play with Connor McDavid, that's got to be appealing. For sure. Uh, and, you know, Coronado, the 48 goals and the uh, 80 or 90 points that he scored uh, is going to what's really going to jump jump off. Uh, you know, you're going to look at that and go, I want that right away. But I'll say one thing that he's really good at is bringing it when he doesn't have the puck. He's got a really high motor. He's a puck hound. He'll chase the puck. He'll, you know, he's going to get it back. So, And I think that is where it could really benefit playing with uh, McDavid. He could be a guy who not only is he going to have offensive chemistry with McDavid, he's also going to get the puck. He can also get the puck back for McDavid. He's going to go into the corners. He's going to go into the dirty areas. He's not a big guy, but he doesn't play small. So uh, I think he's a really solid option to play with McDavid. It's just he is probably my number two option. If he falls, I mean, we, we have him ranked 17, and I think the Oilers are, are picking at 20 right now. So if he can drop to them at 20 based off our rankings, then it would be a solid one. But uh, yeah, definitely a very high option. And like you said, it's a positional need that I think really will benefit them. Another name you threw out there was Brendan Othman playing in the uh, OHL for the Flint Firebirds. Uh, another winger could play both sides you have here. I, I won't say the player comp. It's a guy hated in Edmonton. I'll just say that. But if he, if he were to be on their team, they would absolutely love him. What do you like about Othman's game? 
Well, a lot of the similarities of the player comp, I won't say who it is either, but he, he is a, a very hardworking player. I've actually watched Austin play since he was on the AAA Don Mill Flyers team in the GTHL, uh, in which they had a historic season where they only lost one game all season long, and that was in overtime in a uh, Silver Stick final. Uh, one thing I noticed about Austin uh, watching him over the years is his ability to show up in the big moments. In a big game or down the stretch in the playoff runs, he really gives it all. He, he, he's impacting the game and, and being effective, whether it's throwing his size, just chirping after the whistles, uh, <laughs> getting under opponent's skin. But, you know, that's all good and all, but you got to be able to score, and that's what he can do. He, he's got one of the best shots in this draft class. His playmaking ability is coming around. It's getting better. Uh, he, you know, he plays He plays a full 200-foot game. So, you know, he, he's a guy that I think if it doesn't pan out, let's say in a top six role as what we project him to become, he can easily be a bottom six guy that plays that maybe grindy checking, plays in a grindy checking role. So I think you have a bit of a safe projection or a safe pick in Offman. Uh, and it's just, you know, a guy that I, he's one of my personal favorites, obviously from watching him for a while. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure if there's any longtime Oilers fans, they'll, they might know who we're talking about. Uh, he's still active, still playing in the NHL, you know, as we record this interview. So uh, maybe people can find that out. One final skater, and uh, if I butcher the name, my apologies, Sasha Pestajov, uh, going to Notre Dame in the fall, winger, playing in the, the United States development program. Uh, those guys seem to work out. He had 30 goals last year. What do you like about his game and, and you know, would this guy be more of a down-the-road type player? I would say so. Uh, I think he's a player that you're going to let him develop, uh, let him let him go uh, to his his university, let him develop a little bit more of a, a foot speed. I think his skating is by no means a, a hinder to his game, but it can be improved. And I think uh, he, he's a very when you, when you watch him and when you see him on the ice, he's very small. He's lanky. He's six feet, but he's very thin. So he's got a lot of physical maturity, maturing to do. Um, but the one thing I really like about Pasajov is his hands and his ability to dangle around a defenseman or a goalie. He, he's a really highly skilled forward. Uh, great creativity. He's very elusive. He's hard to shake. Uh, I, I've seen him maybe shake away a defender along the boards on the power play or at five on five numerous times just a quick stop up quick turn uh, and he's got separation he's got space uh, and that's one thing he's really good at he's good at creating his own space while holding on to the puck and you know he'll go into the dirty areas and he'll he'll drive to the net uh, he's not afraid of a little bit of contact but the the physical maturing will help him battle through that contact, which I think is the big thing that he'll uh, he'll need to work on. But you know, another winger that will will benefit uh, from, or McDavid and Drysaddle would benefit from uh, having with, 
And uh, but yeah, he'd be a little bit more of you know if you take him in the first round. Don't expect him to. I, I don't think we should expect him to come into the NHL in let's say two years. I'd say well, I'd say two to three years at least for sure. And the final one you gave me, uh, a very popular name in these parts, Sebastian Kosa, Edmonton Oilers goaltender. And, you know, I think that's one where people in Edmonton are like, that that could be the guy. And I know they have a few other prospects, Stuart Skinner being one, and uh, th- there's a lot of people that do like him. But Sebastian Kosa, for me, is someone that I, if the Oilers take him, you know, you let him develop the right way, you bring him up, and I think you could have your goaltender for the next, you know, 10 to 12 years. How do you see his uh, career playing out? Well, it's funny because uh, he was that last late-minute uh, suggestion I brought to you because <laughs> I fully forgot about him, and I was just thinking, you know, that is someone the Oilers definitely could select. You know, I, I looked at my first thing that I looked at was their goal-scoring help, their winger help, and just seeing if they can add another top six forward. But the other thing that I I think everyone is noticing, especially with this uh, with these NHL playoffs this year. How many goalies are in the are in the semifinals right now that are a first round pick? Vasilevsky was drafted in the first round. Fleury was a first overall. Price was a top ten. Varlamo was a first rounder. So I think at the end of the day, you can get lucky and you can get a Connor Hellebuck in the fifth round. You can draft uh, you know someone later than and he turns into an NHL uh, you know star. But I think. It is very beneficial still to draft a goal in the first round, and I don't think teams should be scared of drafting a goal in the first round. And so, and I liked a lot what you said there. It, you know, you draft Kosa, and you let him develop. You let him develop the right way, and you know, I think he's a guy for sure that Edmonton can have as their goalie for a decade. Uh, the, and one big reason for that is he's six foot six. First of all, he's a monster in the net. He takes up every inch. He closes every hole just from his natural size. But at six foot six, he's still very athletic, and that's a very positive for his uh, trajectory when you look at long term and long term potential. So. I think the more I looked at it, I would say Casa would be the number one guy that I think uh, the Oilers should target. But that's if they can get him, because I, I've I've seen Casa be ranked anywhere from top fifteen to late second round, and which is pretty normal for this draft. When you look at goalers in the first round, like there seems to be some people that are so opposed to it, they you know say you'll get one in the second or third round. It's just as as well. But you know, like you said, I mean, you draft one, you let them sit, and, and look at the success that it's come to with the teams that are still playing in the NHL playoffs. Are you a believer that if the goalie's good enough and he's your guy, take him first round doesn't matter? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, what wins you hockey games? It's scoring goals, yes, but you also need a capable goalie to stop the puck. And I think we've seen it where uh, goalies can just win or break you a, a, a series in the playoffs. Um, and it, it's the it is the hardest position in the sport, but it is by far the most important position in hockey. And so. My reaction to that is, why not get a guy as high as you can? Maybe you're going to pass up on some quality forwards down the line, but I think 
it's almost like you should be more willing to take that chance. Um, and I'd be as almost as bold to say, uh, I believe Seattle has the second overall pick. There's another goalie in Jesper Wallstadt who is ranked to go in like the top 10 or around there. You know, if I was Seattle, I would even maybe take Wallstadt at second overall. Maybe people will, I may have had people fall out of their chairs with that comment, but <laughs> I, I think, again, like I said, the, the, the position is just so important. I think it's worth taking a chance on in the first round, and I think more and more teams should be less scared to do it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've looked at a lot of mock drafts where Wallstead goes six to Detroit. So, I mean, a, a lot of yeah. people seem to be consensus top ten, and, and I totally agree. Every year uh, when you see free agency, there's a lot of wingers, there's a lot of defensemen, but getting that top-tier goalie, tough to come across. And if you have your guy and you think that he can be, you know, the goalie of the future for the next at least decade, yeah, I've got no problem with teams taking that guy in the first round. Uh, Jared Brown joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. We're talking about the Edmonton Oilers draft. But before we get into the later round picks, uh, I just want to ask you, for you personally scouting these guys, how tough it was it this year with you know some leagues not playing and obviously a lot of games were played but closed to fans. Just how much more difficult was it to get an accurate grasp on you know what these guys can do? Oh, it was incredibly tough. Uh, I think it was tough on on myself and our entire scouting team at uh, Draft Pro. Uh, you know, it, we had to use a lot of uh, streaming services, and thank God for uh, Instat Hockey. A little shout out, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know they they're wildly used across the board now um, by you know just, not just us, but all these other scouting agencies and uh, honestly NHL teams because obviously NHL teams weren't allowed in buildings either so you know guarantee that there are organizations using their services as well and uh, I I would say it was you know there's nothing that beats a live viewing in person I mean we you know it's kind of nice to have the disposal of uh, video scouting out of your hands and you know, for me, it's someone where it's like, okay, if I want to go, if I need to get some views on a Swedish prospect playing in Sweden, I can log in and I can do that. That's great and all, but there's still a lot of components that you would look for at a live viewing that you're not able to see, uh, obviously, through a video viewing. Uh, part of that is how do they react maybe when they go back to the bench? Are they showing a lot of frustration? Sometimes it's you know, the coach will come over to talk to them, and sometimes you'll see a player just flat out ignore him, or 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 he it's the opposite. He he's listening, he's taking, uh, you know, what they're saying to heart, making sure maybe they when next time they go out there they don't make the same mistake or whatever they're talking about. Uh, and then obviously the biggest one is, you know, with a video viewing, the camera can only catch so much of the ice. So sometimes there's stuff behind the play that you can't see. So maybe. You know, a player is not back checking as hard, and you, you're not seeing it, and you're gonna you're gonna miss that with the, the video viewing. So, it, it was definitely tough on, on all of us, uh, Draft Pro, and uh, you know, we're just looking forward to hopefully being able to get into the rinks next year uh, at you know majority of our or in, in in majority of our region, and uh, you know, let's just hope for uh, bigger and better days. 
Absolutely, yeah. And it looks like we're getting closer there. I know the Oil Kings announced their schedule here in town and uh, saying that there will be fans in attendance. We'll find out if it's full fans, but uh, absolutely, looks like we are getting closer. One last question, just on scouting, uh, not related to the Oilers or anything. Average week, how much hockey are you watching? Well, uh, don't tell my girlfriend this, but it's probably around four to five days a week. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hobby and it's a job and, you know, I love doing it. You know, it's something that I've had a huge passion for since I was a kid. Uh, and, you know, hockey is something I could watch every day, you know, whether it's, I just have the NHL playoffs on, regular season on, whatever. So I'd probably say I spend around four days, five days making sure I, I watch some hockey and it can be, it can be just watching clips of, of a player. It can be breaking down their shooting mechanics. It can be breaking down how they skate. Um, and, that, and that is some of the luxury we, we do have, obviously, using uh, the Instat service. Um, and so I'll say that it's, it's something that, you know, it can, it can be taxing, but, you know, if you love it, you're going to do it, right? So... I devote a lot of time into it, and um, uh, with uh, with the pandemic, I've actually had a little bit more time to obviously devote into it. So, I would say, on average, also uh, going to if I was getting into arenas, I would try and get into two to three two to three live games a week if I could. I mean, I like uh, Will Fraser, a guy who used to work in my building here at TSN 1260, said it could be worse. You could be digging ditches, right? Like, we're, we're watching sports. We're talking sports for a living. It's not so bad. Uh, I want to, I'll get into the later round picks, Jared, but just quickly here. I noticed uh, Craig Button from TSN actually released his mock draft today and had the Oilers selecting Oscar Olison, a guy playing in Sweden. Just if you could, uh, what are your thoughts on Olison? Uh, He's a guy who would be a very safe projection, a safe pick. I don't think you're you're gonna get. You, you can't really be upset with it. I think you can get higher upside players, but this is a you're gonna get a guy who who's already comfortable playing against men in uh, in Sweden. Uh, I believe he did play at the World Juniors. He didn't. He was around their 13th, 14th forward. Um, but he looked good, and he's a, he's a good skater. He's a, he's an NHL ready skater right now, uh, and much kind of like Dylan Hollowell, uh, just not in the way of uh, a physical guy, where he's very versatile. Olison, uh, you know, he's going to play center, wing, um, a, a guy who can. He, he's really good in small place, uh, small tight spaces as well with the puck. Uh, he can. He, he plays a very safe and simple game that is very respectable, and you know one of those players that just does a lot of the th- a lot of little things right. And I think uh, Anthony Sorelli in, in in terms of Olsen. I mean, I, th- I think that's a safe pick, like you say. Uh, obviously, the mock drafts will probably have a bunch of names thrown our way, but that's where Craig Button going with yeah. his. And uh, we're still a few months out, but uh, we always respect and uh, like what Craig has to say. Now, the Edmonton Oilers, they did trade away their second and third round pick. Of course, uh, the second rounder went to the Detroit Red Wings last season for Andreas Athanasiu, and then the third rounder 
Uh, that was for uh, the whole James Neal Milan Lucic trade, but they do have a fourth round pick. And Jared, you were kind enough to pass along some names for me. Uh, rather than run through them all, uh, who do you think would just be a good fit for the Oilers at that one sixteen spot? Peter Reynolds is a guy I really like because I think he was someone who was a little bit buried on the St. John Sea Dogs team this year. Uh, with the, the, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League obviously getting in at a half a season or so, um, you know he was able to to showcase what he can can bring, and he showcased enough for me to believe that he's got offensive upside at the NHL level. He can drive a line. He plays with a lot of he plays with pace, really good pace, great skater. Uh, does a lot of offense, a lot of things well offensively, um, and I think he just is someone that is primed for a breakout season in junior, you know, like say come next year. So I think that is a guy that would be really good. Um, another guy I really like, and uh, I was able to watch him uh, thankfully at the uh, the PBH H uh, Invitational that went on in Erie. Uh, Bryce Montgomery from the London Knights. Uh, he's uh, just a massive unit of a defenseman at 6'5", 220 pounds. But the biggest thing that stands out to me at 6'5", 220 pounds is the, the guy can skate, and he's very light on his feet. Um, you know, he can definitely improve his, his foot speed and, and just the, the straight line acceleration. But the skating is not a deficiency and it's something that I think is, is really hard to come by for someone who, who's 6'5". Um, so I, I like Montgomery. If they're going to go with a defenseman, I don't know what, you know, they, they already have some defensemen in it, but I think Montgomery is a guy who can go and and uh, let them, they, they can let Montgomery develop. And I, I really like him. He's a personal favorite. Another one, if they wanted to go in, and, and the last guy I'll say is uh, if they went well, back West End, is Sean Shishgrill. I probably said his name wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, with the Calgary Hitman, and he's a very tenacious player, straight line burner, and uh, he he's got really really skilled hands. He's quick in transition. He can do a lot with the puck in speed in flight, and I think that's something that is already a promising site when you look at uh, an NHL projection. I think other stuff you can round out in his game, uh, like like some of the playmaking. Uh, you know, he can sometimes stick handle into traffic and or stick handle into trouble, but I think the key is there that he's already willing to do those things, and he's already got the confidence to attack a defender one-on-one. So now you get him into a right coach or right with a development coach or or uh, with Calgary and have him maybe be a little bit or pick his moments to attack a defender one-on-one. So I like uh, Shishkrill uh, a lot for Oilers at 116 as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think just so people know, it's spelled T-S-C-H-I-G-E-R-L, so it's not exactly an easy name to say. So I think if you butchered it, it's totally expected. Uh, there, there's kind of a reason I also said. You just give me what your thoughts, because I didn't want to attempt saying that name either. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> no fifth-round pick. They trade uh, that away to acquire Tyler Ennis last year. 
uh, a guy they might end up losing this year. Now, they do have two sixth-round picks. They did acquire one uh, when they traded John Marino to the Pittsburgh Penguins. You gave me four names there as well for uh, the 180th and the 186th selection. Uh, these names, uh, why do you like them, and, and why do you think uh, they could potentially end up with the Oilers and fall that far? Well, the first one I believe I gave you was uh, Josh Lopena. Uh, plays with UMass Amherst. He just won the the championship with them in the NCAA. Uh, he's he's an older guy. I mean, he's draft eligible, uh, or this is his. Uh, I think I believe his last year of draft eligibility as an 01 birthday. Uh, but he was a guy who he played top six. He was a very important player for that win, and I think he's. One of those players that is gonna that could go later in the draft, but you get at least a bottom six forward. And at the end of the day, if you can get if you take a guy in the sixth round and he turns into a bottom six forward, it's still a win with that pick. You know, we see so many draft picks. Obviously, not even you know a first rounder can't pan out. So if you can get Lopin at uh, with a sixth round pick, I think you got a guy who's a strong two way forward. Uh, he's a natural centerman. He's a really great, he's a really strong skater. He's got great skating mechanics, great long stride, really extends it to get the most out of his uh, his legs and the power behind it through his hips. Uh, just an all-around competitive player. So I, I would, you know, that would be my number one guy. Uh, and another guy that I, I like is Zach Stringer out of Lethbridge in the WHL. He didn't have the greatest year, and I was a little bit disappointed, and that's why, you know, he personally, and not, you know, for us at Draft Pro, he kind of dipped in rankings. We had him, honestly, around the fourth and fifth round early with our early rankings before he started playing because he had he looked good in his first year with uh, Lethbridge last year. We liked what I see from him, another guy who he not afraid of the dirty areas, really works hard. Um, he's physical. Uh, he's got decent hands and tight. He's kind of a a power forward in a sense. Uh, plays with strength, plays with speed. Uh, the skating can look sloppy, and that's something that's going to need to develop. So with Stringer, I think you you get a project pick. As uh, he's lanky, you know, he's got physical maturing to to have, but but a guy who is going to really be annoying to play against in the, the dirty areas and tight spaces, and he has the hands to control the puck in those areas. So uh, a guy who can also work on the cycle and, and play it play it well. And so, and then Ty Merchantson is another one that I would say they, they could target. He really started to play better. Uh, he had an off-and-on year, but this is a defenseman that plays very physical, He's ag- he's agitating to play against, and the the one one reason behind his pick is, uh, you know, go back to the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. But you know, we're seeing a lot of teams, you know, kind of like how Vegas plays or how Montreal plays. They're just grinding teams. They have big, strong defensemen that are tough to play against. They're in your face all the time, and I think that was. You know that that was a part of a reason why, like for Montreal, why they took out the the Maple Leafs. So and I think Merchantson is a player who's going to play that way. He's going to be in your face. He can kill penalties. Uh, he's a quality skater, so that's not going to be a worry. Uh, he can definitely get a little bit more agile, I think. But 
Uh, he can step up, throw a hit at the line, throw a hit along the boards. He's going to clear his front of his net. Kind of a uh, old-fashioned defenseman a little bit. But the one thing I liked about Merchantson was I saw him be a lot more aggressive offensively, taking more chances down as the season went on. And so I think he's going to progress a little bit more nicely. And, you know, you get a little bit more offensive production coming and you'll get a, a bottom bottom pairing defenseman in Merchantson. Absolutely awesome rundown, Jared. Really appreciate you doing this. And uh, just one more question for you. This is one that you know I, I kind of look at personally myself, and I'm a big NFL guy. Uh, you know, in the NFL draft, you're a first round pick. You're likely plug and play. You're going to be in there really quickly, unless you know you're the Green Bay Packers and you're drafting for seven years down the road with Jordan Love. Now, for the NHL draft, it's a little bit different. I think we'd probably both agree that Owen Power, NHL ready after that, though probably not too many. When it comes to drafting, you know, maybe bottom fifteen, maybe you know around twenty where the Oilers are. Are you a fan of drafting best player available, or do you think you should still target your needs? It can be a tricky one personally for me because I I think you should always draft the best player available, whether that's you're stacking up on defensemen. Well, then you can trade a defenseman for a forward. Maybe you can trade that prospect defenseman for a top six forward today. Uh, so that's the benefit of drafting best player available. But if you're going to draft for positional need, the only issue with that is you better hope he pans out uh, because if he doesn't pan out, but you're still in need of that position uh, because, you know, you, you, you swung high on what you needed. I think, you know, we've seen examples of that in recent years, and, and it's, it's worked out uh, for some teams, and, and for some teams it hasn't worked out. And, you know, I think one was uh, Montreal taking Cock and Yemi at third overall when they had Brady Kachuk available at fourth overall, or I believe Quinn Hughes available and he went seventh overall in that draft i could be mistaken but so those are the the risks you run with drafting uh a positional need you're going to pass up really quality players so it can go back to uh the the goaltending question right and and with the oilers going with casa what they what they they need they need a goaltender but also you're going to be passing up on players that maybe maybe ranked or or, are going to be better than casa so, personally, I would go with best player available. I, I think that's how I would always approach a draft, and and especially in the first round, I, you know, just take who you think is going to be the best player, and that's that's the name of it. I, I I think the positional need it can get very tricky there, but you know, obviously, it's very understandable if you need that position. Jared, uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Draft Pro Draft Guide 2021. Uh, highly recommend it to anyone out there wanting to catch up and uh, you know learn a little bit more about the prospects. You guys do awesome work, and I really appreciate you doing this today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Connor. I really appreciate it. Great stuff from Jared Brown. He, of course, the head scout for North America Draft Pro Hockey. I recommend you check out Draft Pro Hockey on Twitter at Draft Pro Hockey. They got their draft guide, their draft yearbook, and uh, just some absolutely great stuff. And like I said in that interview, it's it's not only you know information about these players, great write ups, but the one thing that I really liked is that they had player comparables. They also had ETAs on their NHL time, so you know you don't sit back and think. Well, 
how long till this guy makes the NHL? They tell you right there what they think, and uh, they do awesome work. So, like I said, at Draft Pro Hockey, and make sure you give Jared a follow as well at Jared Brown ninety seven. And that is going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, big thank you to Jared Brown for hopping on today. Also, our sponsor DraftKings. Make sure you sign up today, and when you do so, use promo code THPN. It stands for the Hockey Podcast. Network, and also I'm going to give a big thank you to the fine folks down at the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. I'll be back Tuesday morning with another edition where we will continue to talk about the Edmonton Oilers offseason. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter as well at Connor Halley. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.